Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and anger a million people with our bad faith <laughs> arguments. My name is Johannes. Or should I say, Johannes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Raji. <laughs> <laughs> All the people in Boston will uh, love this episode. <laughs> Today we're talking about another film on the list. Martin Scorsese's 2006 crime thriller. The Departed. The Departed was released on October 6th, 2006, starring Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Vera Farmiga. Before we get in the car, I got to ask you, great viewers, to make sure to leave a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And also tell them we're very classy gentlemen. Yeah, our our accent game is on point uh, as much as Leo Leonardo DiCaprio's. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends. Tell us how we're horribly wrong. Uh, tell us how Boston uh, accents are not replicable by people that don't come from there. Um, yeah, just leave a review. We'll appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and on that note, um, what's a review for your past week? Um, I'll give my review for the last week uh, two out of three. <laughs> I don't know. It's an ab- 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 arbitrary score. It's been a it's been an all right week. We went to Utah. We got to uh, we got to see mountains, and we got to see um, you know mountains, and uh, we got to see a lot more mountains. It's, it was pretty nice driving through those mountains. Um, nothing spectacular about Utah. Just the beautiful landscape. You know, nice people. And great mountains. So yeah, it's been it's been an all right week. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I went to a performance, a live performance yesterday, and I was very happy uh, because I saw one of my favorite Broadway people. Um, we saw Jagged Little Pill, which I oh, don't nice. necessarily care about Atlantis more set than that album, but Heidi Blickenstaff is one of my favorite Broadway people, and she killed everyone with her singing capabilities on the job. Everyone else, whatever, but uh, she's so good. She is so good. <laughs> Fight me. Well, I, fascinatingly enough, and I apologize to people all over America for all the jokes I've had about Utah and Boston, but I did get to see, um, what's his name, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson this week. And surprisingly, oh, um, the conversation he was having, the lecture he was having was, an astrophysicist watches movies and we just went through movies and inaccuracies and some of the best things about some of the films that you think are the worst and some of the worst things about movies you think are the best. So it was, it was quite interesting, a conversation to listen to. I see. So you talked about movies like um, Spinal Tab and uh, American Pie, I assume. No, he talked about movies like Titanic and uh, Back to the Future. All right, uh, and he actually choice. pointed out some some interesting points because he was talking about the lone pine tree versus the twin pine trees, and I was like, ah, oh, we talked about that in our podcast. It was very interesting. Yeah, that's right. You did you name drop uh, our little show? Hi, Neil. <laughs> oh, geez. Um. So yeah, the Departed. Um. Interesting movie. I think. Yeah. Um, I, let's. I'll go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. That it's a very interesting film. Uh, multiple levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's bring everybody up to speed uh, on what this movie is. South Boston cop Billy Costigan goes undercover to infiltrate the organization of gangland chief Frank Costello. As Billy gains the mobster's trust, a career criminal named Colin Sullivan infiltrates the police department and reports on his activities to his syndicate bosses. When both organizations learn they have a mole in their midst, Billy and Colin must figure out each other's identities to save their own lives. And we're back. The departed. Departed. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> but 
it's just too it's just too funny um so yeah um raji where would you like to be on the whole coin flip thing i probably will go with the heads again heads got it i'm gonna argue for this film all right i'm not mad at that (laughs) okay wow i'm surprised uh i would have hoped uh, to see more resistance to this um (laughs) okay the witness will address this court as judge or your honor your honor the departed uh is a remake of a chinese movie and it is quite puzzling to me how you can make a remake of a movie and not improve said movie but it seems to be an american trend um we are confronted with a movie that has a plot that in parts doesn't go anywhere that doesn't make any sense uh we are confronted with a movie that has actors that are terribly overacting and and chewing up the scenery we have character motivations that are not really clear uh we spent a lot of time in the backstory of one main character but not the other and uh, the motivation isn't really there. We get a lot of, oh, we knew your father and your uncle, but we don't know what that means in a way. So so I found that very frustrating. Character in, in question is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. So we, we have a movie that is like two and a half hours long that is dragging along like molasses in pieces. Uh, whenever we have... Jack Nicholson on screen, he is hamming it up like nobody else. It's incredibly overacted. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio seems to not really understand the struggles his character is going through. Um, And he doesn't have the charisma that this role demands for it to make it believable. Uh, Matt Damon, on the other hand, uh, is doing a good job. I think he's kind of the standout of the show, uh, including with uh, Mark Wahlberg. cannot critique them too much but then we are also having a classic uh triad conflict with vera farmiga and and matt damon and leo dicaprio that doesn't make any flipping sense um and yeah it's it's ultimately this is a movie about everybody is a rat don't trust anyone um it's keeping you in the dark. It's keeping Jack Nicholson in the dark for the first 20 minutes. And it's bizarre how that got filmed and greenlit. Um, it's just so many questions. So many, like, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we telling this story? Why are we spending so much time on this? And why was it not improved from the original? It's, a, it's an interesting take. Um I don't quite agree with the fact that this movie is not as good as the original. Um, as a big fan of Infernal Affairs, I think that these two films do two things uh, quite well. They tell a similar story with different outcomes. But one of the things that you can appreciate about The Departed is that uh, this movie is soaked in Boston culture. I mean, I don't know if it's... I, I'll be more specific. It's soaked in Boston gangster culture. Um, I think that's a little bit more fair um, assessment of the film. Um, I think that one of the things that, you know, Johannes mentioned is people talking about their fathers and their great fathers. I think that makes the film even more charming because it sinks the characters in the environment where they're in. You know, the relationship between Frank Costello and the priests. Um, you know, I think the, the movie is also a little bit about duopolies and um, subterfuge. And, you know, I've seen some arguments about the fact that the character played by Matt Damon is um, impotent. I think the more interesting thing is, was he gay? And I think I, I never actually noticed it in the film until I watched it again. I mean, this last time I watched it was when I started to wonder if it was actually a gay character. Because... There are a lot of subtle hints, you know, when he was in the movie theater, um, the adult movie theater, he was disgusted by what he was watching. He wasn't able to get it up when he was with a woman. Um, you know, he's 
aggressive macho-ness when his sexuality is called into play. You know, it was interesting. And I think that given the fact that I even just got that idea, um, watching it the third or fourth time, um, there's a lot of depth to the characters. So um, I think this movie is uh, excellent. And within all the nasty scenes, all the, you know, misogyny and all the homophobia, there is a story uh, to be told here. And I think that this movie captures that. So that's my point. So your argument is uh, this movie is good because it's it's both homophobic, but also we have we have a potentially queer gay character in this. So it's gay for for the queer experience. No, I I don't I don't I don't think this is a movie that you know gay people will watch and will gain any pleasure from watching. But I'm I think that it's well I don't know if they will because you know I can't judge anybody um I think that the story is really good but I think that there are depths to the characters where you got to question a couple of things that happen in the film how the characters are portrayed and what their motivations are I think that is interesting enough because the characters have enough depth that even after you watch it a fourth time you get to see increased depth in those characters so that is the point I'm trying to make Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this movie is, is so cliche-written that it's not even funny at this point. <laughs> like, uh, I I feel like in general, movies that are in Boston feel so cliche because, it's like, one, it's always the accent that, you know, is kind of quirky for people, I guess, um, and that not the people that are not from Boston cannot really do it seems like so it's, it, it it seems like the only people that are successful at doing the boston accent are matt damon and uh, mark Wahlberg because they're from boston um so you see kind of leonardo dicaprio going in and out of it and it, it's just kind of weird it doesn't work dude cannot do accents um dude can also not really tell us a good kind of character motivated performance like his performance is very one note um and i think part of the problem there is that he he cannot do the bad guy convincingly because he's too too much of the the pretty boy the likable romance lead and uh, i understand that's part uh, because he was cast in that in like romeo and juliet and titanic you know so we kind of got to know him as that heartthrob person but i don't think he can do these more serious and subtle roles really effectively like for for instance um he is so under stress and duress of this thing that he has to do uh that he's starting an a pill addiction <laughs> but we don't really see that and it's very it's it's very weird like i i feel like we don't see the internal struggle because everything is very internalized of him and i think that's a problem because it makes us not root for him really and i think we're supposed to root for him um on the other hand we have matt damon and matt damon is is doing a pretty good job here and uh i found myself more more than once kind of rooting for him and he's definitely not the person you you're supposed to root for i don't think right so 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 fundamentally there's a problem um jack nicholson is just crazy in this um i'm i'm not entirely sure whether casting Jack Nicholson as an Irish mob boss. Like, I feel like that's not, there's, there's kind of a disconnect there, but okay. Uh, I kind of feel like he's giving his Joker performance without the makeup here. And it's, uh, it's so over the top and it almost feels like uh, Scorsese didn't really, you know, it's like, ah, it's, it's Jack Nicholson. We, we can just let him do his thing. Um, and I think that was not the right call. I think it's too much and it's also too um, too much of a caricature of what it is. Uh, I also think this movie is so incredibly dated uh, by the use of technology. It's kind of the problem of the early 2000s, I think. Like the first movies with cell phones, you know, where, where it's just like, oh, his flip phone, he, he closes the... You know, he, he closes the lid and then the, the phone disappears from the grid. <laughs> it's like, that's not how things work. Um, 
stupid stuff like that, right? And and like I said, it's it's it tries so hard to be in this mystery, but then all the way towards the end, all of a sudden we have this revelation that there's even more informants, and there was not really anything that led us to believe that. So it was always kind of the the back and forth, the the cat and mouse, the the cat and rat kind of problem between Leo and and Matt, right? Where it's like. Will they find each other? They almost found each other. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh, but there's 5 million other people that are also all rats. So I think like, fundamentally from from a premise perspective, it's it's really missing the mark um, because what we're confronted with, the setup, the main actors, ultimately are, are just kind of not important because you know there, there are other people at play um, that we never really know about. And I think that's that's not very satisfactory, and that makes that movie disappointing. So I think that you've you've brought a couple up a couple of points that I think I'm going to address. One of them is the the role of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, in this film, and you claim that he doesn't have enough range um, in this film. Would you say that that's your argument? Um, oh yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> one note. I I, I I disagree with you on this. I mean, we can argue about whether his accent is correct or not. Um, I think that's beside the point. I think that one of the things that I will say about the character in, in this film is that you, I I mean, I watched this film and I was able to root for him. I, I, think, I don't think at any point I rooted for Matt Damon. Matt Damon played the sniveling rat at almost every point in this film which makes it interesting because I'm curious to know why you rooted for him. Um, because I watched this movie with a totally different perspective. We see the character of Leonardo DiCaprio pulled into um, the underworld, um, not by his own volition, but as a means to an end. He wants to be a cop, but they're not going to allow him into the regular cop, so he has to go undercover. Um, they test his nerves um, at every single point in this film, and we watch a slow degradation of um, of his nerves as his anxiety continues to grow. So much so, he goes to see a doctor who gives him pills, um, and he's using that to control his anxiety. And at, at several points in this film, we see him popping pills um, just you know, when a revelation occurs just before a revelation or just after an, uh, a situation. So this is not a, I think that we're able to definitely see a character who was devolving um, uh, into some sort of madness. I mean, he almost ran away from the city. Uh, you know, there was a point where he was in the airport. He wanted to escape, but, you know, he couldn't do it because, you know, where would he go? He felt like at every single point that he could get his life back together, um, get his money um, and do the right thing. Um, I I think that there were lots of scenes of tension that played very well with him. The movie after the movie scene where he's chasing Matt Damon, good use of tension, good characters playing um, um, a cat and mouse game. The themes of rats were everywhere in this film, um, and I, you know after Matt Damon stabbed the guy in the chest and just walked away. You got to ask yourself, you know, I'm curious why you even liked him. It doesn't seem like a likable character. Um, the doctor, sorry, before I even talk about the doctor, I want to talk about the use of corruption as uh, a strength of this film. One of the things that I you, you got to give the movie props for is they show you the depth of corruption um, going through this film. Every single person, every single character is corrupt in its in its in his or her own way. The cops are corrupt. They are forcing people into their own stuff. They're not arresting people in time because uh, they want to get more. So they are willing to let crime go um, so that they can gain uh, even more information or get more leverage. Uh, Meanwhile, within the cop system, a number of people who are working for the mobs exist. The FBI is allowing a, a, a mob boss to run amok just so he can give them information about what's going on 
within the mob family. Um, there's levels of corruption everywhere. Even the psychiatrist um, was was quite incompetent at her job, to be fair. But, you know, out of pressure, she was able to prescribe pills to someone. Um, you know, those things are unprofessional at every single point. But I think the movie does a good job of saying everybody gets away with this level of corruption because the city is just a corrupt mess. And we see rats roaming around, even in the most uh, exquisite areas, which is where Matt Damon has his house. We remember the rat uh, crawling out at the end of the film. I think that that is just an indication that even in the richest places, there are going to be rats everywhere, that the dirt, uh, the, 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 the scum that goes around in the city, no one escapes it. So I think that is a good job, fast pacing, great tension scenes, great action when it happens. And the conversations were quite interesting. And also the, the point you made about um, Jack Nicholson is something that I agree with, but I agree with it from a totally different perspective. I do agree he's playing the Joker role, but I think that is quite effective in this film because you are watching a character who is unpredictable, not as menacing as I would like, but very unpredictable. And his unpredictability makes him interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Jack Nick, Nick, uh, I feel like Jack Nicholson is. It's like, hey, you're playing a mob boss. Give us five ideas. How you want to play this character? You know, I I feel like that's kind of how the if we ever audition for this thing, like that that's the conversation that happened, right? And then it's like, um, weird clothing. Because he doesn't care, right? He he doesn't need to care. Um, hooking up with a lot of women, uh, violence. Uh, he's owning questionable businesses, and he's crazy. And that's kind of you know that's like the first ideas of of a character. It's like okay, let's just go with that. Uh, I th I think it's it's too cliche for me. But um, let's talk about the doctor. That is the biggest unbelievable part of this whole thing, in my opinion. Because, so she's a therapist, right? And she's like, I cannot just prescribe you these pills. Uh, and then Leonardo DiCaprio throws a little fit and was like, well, I, what am I supposed to do with these two sample, <laughs> sample pills? That's not doing anything. Uh, he leaves and he ends his his uh, client relationship with her. She follows him and it's like, oh, by the way, I wrote your script for this. I'm no longer your doctor. And he's like, cool. Want to get coffee? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, where does that happen? Like any professional person that has a client, you know, kind of therapy relationship I highly doubt that they would go that path so easily, especially when she is, when we see her. So they hook up a couple of times, right? But especially since we've never really seen any issue between her and Matt Damon, she freaking moves in with him. So why would she be so unhappy? Or is so tempted by this other dude. It does not make any freaking sense to me. It's just there for, for the, oh, we have this this triangle now. That's weird. Um, you know, and then it's, it's all just a setup to have that big ending where she finds out and she gets the tapes. But it doesn't make any freaking sense. And it's terrible. It's, it's really bad. And um, that, that's like one of the biggest issues I have to have with this movie, actually, because I think it's like it's a story arc that is in this movie purely because we need to find a way to get um, to the end. And it's lazy and it doesn't make any sense. And I, that's why I mean with like could have done better 
you you really could have done better if you really kind of looked at uh, you know what works what doesn't work and i don't think this works um i don't find it believable at all and that's a problem that's interesting um <clears throat> i would say that this that situation is no more coincidental than almost all the other films that we've seen um where somebody just happens to be at the right place at the right time um but i will say this about why they got into an affair it was obvious that um you know sullivan wasn't giving her the pleasures she deserves or she felt like she needed and here's this compelling character who is very direct with her and maybe that's her weakness maybe she just likes a direct person and this person is able to satisfy her in a different way you know and you know but it also goes to show that the whole core of this game is deception. Um, there's an interesting conversation they had at the very beginning when they met, where he asked him, um, like, would you lie? Do you lie? Um, and then later on, they asked the same, they had the same conversation where she was like, what if, where he asked her, what if your boyfriend walked into the room? And she says, I would lie in a scenario like that. It just goes in to reinforce the idea of deception being the game. Um, I think that another core, another interesting point that was made was when the police chief said, um, "We deal in self, we deal in, we deal in deception here, but we do not deal in self-deception." So everybody goes for what they want; they know exactly what they need. Um, but nobody is deceiving themselves. They're able to deceive everybody around them. And it goes to show that that's the culture of almost every single character we see in that film. So is the the fact that they saw each other um, interesting? Is it implausible? I don't think it's implausible because they established that, you know, he, she sees cops and she sees criminals. Um, is it, um, impossible that they would be in a relationship. I think it's established that, you know, Matt Damon was either impotent or gay. I say gay. Uh, or let's just say impotent, which is what the director wants us to believe. Let's say impotent. Um, he's not satisfying her. That's good. But it, al it also makes the idea that somebody who is so direct with her is able to get into a, a you know, get into a, the positive end on her from her perspective so but, I'm, I'm gonna argue against that point but, but the thing is like if, if if that is such a big crutch for her and you know i would understand if it was like i think that you know that component to a relationship is important right um why the hell would you move in with this guy right um that it, it, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, if if that's such a deal breaker that you're tempted at at the blink of an eye, um, then I I don't buy that you you are willingly happily moving in with this guy in the first place, right? Like, so so that's that 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 whole motivation. Like, I I understand what you're saying, but I don't think it adds up. I I, I still disagree with you on that. Have you seen the apartment that Matt Damon had in this film? It was right by the by the Capitol. Wow, it was, it was a beautiful apartment. But it's not our job in this movie review business to criticize the characters for their morality. You can criticize them for their motivations. I don't know about criticizing her for her morality. I don't think it's... it's I think we go into a very slippery slope. She does, she moves in with him because she gets security from, she gets uh, a f a financial security or whatever. I don't know why she moved in with him, but whatever reason she chose to move in with him, I think it's something that happens all the time. People get deceived, people get deception, and people are willing to live with that deception, um, even as long as they get whatever things they need to satisfy them outside of it. So... Um, I don't, I don't buy the argument about you know why did she move in with him? Um, she could move in with him for many, many reasons. Um, and you know, I, I think that whatever reason she chose, they were valid. I don't know, I don't know. I, I think it's just convenience, right? Because we need to have the conflict. <laughs> but, All right. 
yeah, that, that's but but that's why I was so frustrated, right? Because I feel like that there's kind of a lot of that convenience thing in in this movie as well. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 chase from the adult theater onwards, right through the back streets of Boston. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of convenience there as well. It's like, oh, there happens to be a camera and he happens to be able to see and then hands, right? And kind of, I I don't know. I just, not my favorite movie. <laughs> what can I say? I, mean, I, think, I think it's weak. I think, I think, let's start with, you know, like this is all plot driven stuff, right? But on a technical level, like what is going on with all the weird, like this feels like a, like a, film students first movie who's like oh let's try all all the camera tricks we can find mm-hmm. um and it feels clumsy and like i said like maybe that was just my my digital copy that i had but the, the first 20 minutes with uh, jack nicholson um like being in the store talking to young matt damon he was like in a black it was like they they they, they kept him in the dark for a long time and i was like in all the scenes and i was like so are we supposed to not know that he's Jack Nicholson? And then my my husband brought up something um, that I think is probably the motivation. It's like, oh, this is in the past. And Jack Nicholson already looks pretty old. So it's probably to hide that he's looking old, even though he's playing his younger self. It's like, okay, I can see that. But that's bad, right? Like, uh, that's that's just bad. Um, it's like, oh, we'll keep him in the dark because we, we cannot afford this. To make him look younger, and again, maybe maybe that's just a copy that I saw off on HBO. But it's, I was like, what is going on? It just looks bad, and um, and we have a lot of these these scenes that feel very film school, first movie. Uh, you know, it's like one scene I remember is in the meeting room at the police when when Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> comes in and then we have these these crazy side pans um it's like yeah it, it, it's just weird it's it's a weird movie and it, it just doesn't really add up like i don't i don't i don't get this movie sorry i'm not so apologizing. I, 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 i'm not apologizing i don't get this movie this movie sucks okay i i, I think you have every right not to apologize i, I think we have you know, this is your right too, and I don't think it, I don't think you should apologize either. But I'm going to say this: um, I, I kind of agree with the notion that you know they didn't want to de-age him and they wanted to keep him. But another thing that I would say is he also seems like he's the devil, so he comes out from the dark um, in and speaks to people and entices them. That's another way to look at it. But I, I think that the primary reason is because they didn't want to, it was happened a long time ago and they didn't want to show his face uh, because he was, like you said, pretty old. Um, what did you think about the conversations in this film? And there were lots of funny lines in this. Like when he he put a bullet through the woman's head and goes, she fell funny. I, I just bust out laughing there. Um, you know, there's so many like weird, weird lines in this film that just comes out of nowhere. And you have to agree that the movie is at least funny uh, in its darkest form. So I think there's a lot of internalized misogyny in this film, honestly, but it's, it's written for the, it's a straight male film written for that specific audience. And I don't think a lot of people outside of the audience who watches that film, I mean, I don't even think it's written for the black community because it disparaged the black people quite a lot in this film. Um, They disparage everybody with extreme racism against Asian people, black people, Italians. Um, But I think even that, you know, some of the lines they say are very funny all the same. Uh, I think they keep it respectful to the area um, because, you know, nobody really thinks that Boston is an area of uh, of great racial harmony. It's, uh, it's quite uh, quite the opposite. 
<laughs> just look at the Celtics. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that's why I'm saying like Mark Wahlberg is, is kind of the standout of this because I think his, his one-liners are pretty good and his delivery on those is really, really good. So he's, he's saving this, uh, for me, I think everything you said is true. Like, you know, the dialogue is, is funny, but it's very dark and awful at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's very mis misogynistic and very homophobic. But I think it's, it's you know, this boys club. This macho boys club that's not only running in the mob, but also running in the police ranks. And uh, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> but... Um, and they were able to sell it, right? So that's that's good. That's positive. I'll give you that. But again, I like for me, a lot of the things that I mentioned are just kind of breaking the movie for me. So yeah, that's why I think not good to be All on right. this list. So, um, did you want to go into general discussions? Sure. Let's sidebar it. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chamber. Stop Beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. I might, uh, I might actually be curious to know if your current reactions are your real reactions. Mm -hmm. um, I have a feeling they are. And I was watching the film going, I don't think Johannes is going to like this film. But I don't know, I don't know whether you like it really or not. What, what, what is your real take on this? It's a good question. I, I was prepared to speak against it um, for sure. I think it's an okay movie, but I don't think it's Scorsese's second best if we just judge the list. Not by a long shot. Like, I th so you, I do think, because uh, I think Goodfellas is higher than this, and then this mm -hmm. is the second Scorsese movie on it. Um, like, I put this on the same so level we, as The Irishman, for example, and I think The Irishman was bad. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think this is that good of a movie. Whoa, man! I I <laughs> I watched the Irishman, man. That Irishman was a drag, was a yeah. long, drawn out. I I think one of the things that this movie you can take away from it is the brisk the brisk pace, um, of everything that is happening. And I don't think the Irishman benefited from that kind of um situation. Um, to, the, I, to the point where it gets very confusing in this movie, though, right? Because it's like we see Leo in the beginning, like going through several stages of facial hair, and it's it's like going back and forth, back and forth, and it's like, where are we? What are we doing? You know, where is he right now? <laughs> right? And so, yeah. so it's like it, it's 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 like whiplash of of like switching in time. It's I don't think it's well done with that. I, I I think to an extent I do I I would agree um, that you know the Wolf of Wall Street was probably a better film than this. Um, yeah, maybe Raging Bull is a better film than this. I'm not. I don't know if Gangs of New York is a better. I don't think Gangs of New York is. I would say this is probably his third or fourth best film he's ever made. Um, Taxi Driver is better than this. Goodfellas is better than this. So it's, yeah, probably his fourth best film. Um, I am I'm confused why we ha we don't have The Wolf of Wall Street here um, higher than this film or you know Taxi Driver. Uh, but I think that this movie, because of its so steeped in American culture, um, niche American. Oh, it's not necessarily niche. This is general American culture. Um, and the audience is the general population of films, people who go watch films. I think that this is probably one of the reasons why this movie is rated so highly. And the people who like this film would like it with a passion. Um, but I agree with you that this is probably not his second best film. But I wouldn't say that it's his seventh or eighth. I would say it's probably its fourth, um, objectively speaking. Um, actually, subjectively speaking. I mean, I'm you know, I'm looking at this list right now, and it's like... You know, Raging Bull is probably up there. Goodfellas is up there. Talked about that. Um, Casino 
bringing out the dead gangs of new york like i like gangs of new york a lot better than this even though i think there's many many parallels here um shutter island i think shutter island is a lot better than this um, you think shutter island is better than this mm, wolf of wall street is better than this right like yeah i know i i think that the core concept of this film is very strong um and for somebody who is a somebody who for somebody who appreciates infernal affairs quite a lot the fact that they were take it would take that chinese film and bring it to an american film and make it americanized and make it stand on its own i think it's strong i will say that they americanized the end because you know I'm not gonna spoil the people. I'm not gonna spoil it for people who want to go see the Infernal Affairs. I don't think it's as uh, misogynistic or racist as this one. Um, but I think that the characters in that are very compelling, and they have different outcomes than what we have in the American film. I think this movie is great, um, and it may not deserve to be at this particular point but I think it deserves to be in the top 250. Um, I think that I would take this film over It's a It's a Wonderful Life or, you know, all those other films that we saw earlier. I think that this movie could move up a couple of spots. Um, and I think that some of these other Matthew Scorsese films could easily slip in. But I think that this movie, for all the tension it has, deserves to be on this list. Yeah, like I said, I'm 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 not fully convinced of that. Like I think we didn't even talk about the use of music, man. The use of music steeped especially in the Boston area. I have always appreciated how the music always ends abruptly when an action begins. It's like dun, 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 and that's it. The music stops and the action continues. Everything is abrupt. Everything is like the story continues, the music stops. I think the use of music is very interesting in this film, and it's not something you find in a lot of other movies. So that's another thing I forgot to mention, but I, I, I think that this whole package is very, very good. Very brisk, very entertaining to watch. So I feel like, you know, when you said, oh, let's talk about the music, I was like, what music? And then, oh, yeah, we have... Um whatever those bands are like there's one one boston band that does this kind of music um forgot the name but you know it's like we have two songs of theirs it seems like and so before you brought that up i was thinking i really wonder what what people from boston think of this movie <clears throat> because for <clears throat> excuse me i really wonder what what people from boston are thinking about this movie because i think for people outside of Boston, this is kind of a caricature and kind of mocking the city and the corruptness that I think is pretty, like, people know about, that that's really rampant in the police force there. Um, and like I said, the accents and the music and the, you know, the Irish and the macho and like all that, like, for me, that feels kind of like, a, oh, let's make a quirky Boston movie um, because we, we can hit easily, we can hit all these notes. Um and people will understand and find it kind of charming because, haha, let's screw over Boston, right? But I wonder if, if, if for Bostonians, they don't feel that way, um, uh, or moreover, they feel more like, oh, yes, this is us. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, to me, this feels like, um, and we talked about that before, kind of whenever movies go to Germany, or represent Germans, it's always the, oh, yeah, let's go over here. I have my lederhosen on, right? And it's, it's, it's always that cliche, and I kind of feel this is very cliche Boston. Um, and I, I kind of wonder if we cannot tell a story in Boston that is not um, foundationally told with these lazy cliches. Uh, I currently cannot think of a movie that doesn't do this. And so I wonder why that is, but uh, I find Boston weird in that. Like, sure, you have movies that are in New York, and you always you also have kind of the New York thing, right? But it's it's different. It's not as 
it's not as nuanced and cliched as Boston tends to be, in my opinion. Um, so I really, I'm, I'm really curious about like how that movie is received there. But uh, currently, don't know anybody there. <clears throat> but if anybody listens, let me know. <laughs> so, yeah, so like you I didn't said, ap- oh, go ahead. You didn't appreciate the uh, the 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 raw passion of the the Murphys or the Almond Brothers, and you know they even threw in some Rolling Stones into that. I think that the, I think that the move the soundtrack captured the feel of the film quite well. I think that it was it was a perfect rendition for the film. All right, Dropkick Murphys. Um, thanks for bringing it up. So, like I said, I only have two instances where I guess it was the, the Dropkick Murphys were played. I don't remember any other music in this, and that's kind of sad, right? Um, and I'm usually fairly good at noticing music and all that but i i do i do i i do know that and i'm actually it's interesting to see like maybe you were so engrossed in the film that you didn't know <laughs> anyways, anyways i i've yeah. i've said all i ha- i can about this film i think yeah. that this is one movie where we're gonna have to agree to disagree uh on where we think this movie should be and it's up to the audience now to give us their take on where they expect this movie to fall. Is America right? Is the IMDb 250 right? Does this movie deserve to be in number 41? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Reach out to us. Let us know what you think, audience. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, and people from Boston who love our accents. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, next up. Next up is uh, the usual suspects. Eh, wait, was the usual the usual suspect is a New York film, right? Maybe. Yes. I'm sure. I, I it's been a long time since I've seen this film, and uh, but it will be interesting to see where what what I think about this film right now. You know, it was a immensely successful film. And it feels like a Quentin Tarantino film for all the tours. Yeah. 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 New York. You said it right. Cool. Raji, where can people find us? They can find us on Twitter, mostly, on at Movie Mistrial. But you can also reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram, on at Movie Mistrial. But if you feel like you wanted to go old school and reach us to us by either hate mail or fan mail, how can they do that? Contact at moviemistrial.com. It'll be interesting to hear your perspectives. Reach out to us at any time and we'll keep the conversation going. That's right. That's right. And I don't, you know, for all the Boston people, I don't, I don't hate your city. I've been to your city multiple times. It's a lot of fun. It's a pretty city. I'm just, uh, at all why your know, city is current is, is always being uh, the, the bonnet of a joke in movies <laughs> way to uh, go to smoothen it out <laughs> and now I gotta go to the car <laughs> take care alright bye bye